The Daring Dashwood Mercenary Company proudly presents Wasteland Active Radio. Ladies, gentlemen, boys, girls, friends, beyond and between, welcome back to Wasteland Active Radio. As always, I am your gracious host, Crispy. I'm always glad to be back behind the mic talking to all of you, my dear listeners, and supporting the Dashwoods as they press forward to face Macklin and his army of super mutants. We're still currently holding position along the border of Wyoming, and I gotta say, the sunset on the Rockies is a beautiful sight. Really, you ought to check it out if you ever get the chance. Do I sound a little happier? A little more mellow? I don't know what it is. Maybe the mountain air? Maybe just remembering how happy I am to be working with the Dashwoods again. Regardless, it's a good day, so let's get back into the mix, dear listeners. More super mutants are taking shots at us, and they're manipulating local settlements to lure in travelers while the Dashwoods hope to remove Macklin's influence. More on that in today's announcements. It's getting so cold the Mojave's getting jealous. Let's see if Bucket sees the script flipping in this week's weather forecast. Macklin's army is gaining ground, the Dashwoods are trying to root out a raider clan, and the Moose men are getting restless. More on that in today's local news. Do you like tanks? Do you like body armor? Then Johnny has some amazing news for you in this week's Tech Tips. Somebody get an exorcist. World War I is still haunting us as Shoban reminds us to appreciate clean socks in this week's Wasteland Health. After a little music break, Atlas heads back to the kitchens in this week's On the Scene. And finally, I get the most accident-prone member of Major Walsh's 19th, Private Miller, in the studio for this week's Open Table. With that on our menu, let's start with our first course in this week's announcements. In today's announcements, the super mutant presence has never been higher as the Dashwood Scouts slip through the Wyoming wilderness. According to Captain Holtz, groups of up to 20 super mutants have been spotted, roving through the area by night. When asked for a comment, Captain Holtz was quoted as saying, these groups of super mutants typically have one larger super mutant among them that seems to call the shots. While loosely organized, they're organized nonetheless. End quote. After a meeting between Major Walsh and the rest of the Dashwood officers, security measures are being put in place. And that's kind of all I'm allowed to say about that. Hmm. Uh, what about if I... I can't... Uh, it's going to be a short show if I don't jazz this up. Aha! Yeah. While I'm currently unable to tell you about changes in our camp, I am able to say that the scouts have been given orders to only engage these super mutants from a distance, and only if they have prisoners or are assaulting a traveler or a settlement. This, however, leads into our next news story. Dashwood scouts attempting to make contact with the town of New Lusk have discovered that the town has been taken over by super mutants. While it may not look that way from the outside, a distressed and exceedingly brave citizen has made the Dashwoods aware of the situation inside. According to a representative of the neighboring settlement of Boxville, in the past two months, travelers to New Lusk have not been returning. Plans of how to liberate New Lusk are already underway. 
Until the Dashwoods have successfully ousted the super mutants in control of New Lusk, we here at Major Walsh's 19th and Wasteland Active Radio urge everyone to stay away from New Lusk. Kind of a scary thought, if I'm being honest. Make sure to stay away from New Lusk if you know what's good for you. That sounded way more threatening than I intended. Ugh. Please just stay away from New Lusk for now. We'll have updates as things progress. Until then, that was our final announcement, so let's go over to Bucket for this week's weather forecast. Okay, Bucket, activate. Activating? Oh. I was having the most wonderful dream. Really? Uh, what was it about? Oh, it was beautiful. All in a wonderful circle. A sarcophagus, standing, though its owner's functions had not ceased. Two snakes coiled around a broken jaybird. A man carved from a pillar with two knives hidden behind his back. A crown resting on a cracked bowl that was rapidly leaking. A skeleton lying amongst a pile of its own viscera. But most importantly, I watched from the eyes of an ice sculpture in front of a warm fire. As I fell over. Awaiting instructions. Well, that's... Something. Bucket, forecast the weather. Acknowledged. Beginning weather forecast for the week of December 28th, 2287. Currently, the temperature is 28 degrees Fahrenheit with a high of 30 degrees and a low of 24 degrees. 14% humidity. Overcast with light winds. Light snowfall starting around 1900 hours. Thursday, the temperature will have a high of 29 degrees with a low of 22 degrees, 12% humidity, overcast with light winds. Light snowfall will continue throughout the day. Ambient radiation will increase by 2%. Friday, the temperature will have a high of 25 degrees with a low of 23 degrees, 13% humidity, overcast with light winds up to 14 miles per hour. Light snowfall will continue throughout the day. Ambient radiation will decrease by 1%. Estimated weekly radiation levels are condition, yellow, travel not advised due to high fluctuations of radioactive energy. Forecast complete. Performing diagnostics and printing satellite scans. Yeah, let's see what we've got here. Uh, not bad. A little cold, but steady throughout. Make sure to bundle up, dear listeners. Don't want to end up decorating the landscape with your corpses. Good work, Bucket. Compliment received. Moving compliment to trash bin. Compliment deleted. Please have a error. Entering sleep mode. <clears throat> Let's move on to this week's local news, shall we? In our first news story, several of the settlements in the area are confirmed completely abandoned. While many of these settlements show clear signs of being attacked by Macklin super mutants, others seem to have been evacuated. The current list of abandoned settlements are as follows. <clears throat> Hammerton, Underpass, Fallen Tree, Lockup, and Devil Shadow. 
These areas have either been torn apart by super mutants or have been evacuated before it was too late. Dominic Murphy of Hammerton confirms as much. According to Mr. Murphy, Hammerton, a settlement built inside of the ruins of a hardware store, was evacuated to... Oh boy, uh, New Lusk. Mr. Murphy refused to leave his home and had been holed up for several weeks before encountering the Dashwoods. Mr. Murphy was quoted as saying, When they saw what those super mutants were doing to our neighbors, the people here got scared. Before I knew it, the mayor and the sheriff had the people gather up their stuff and ship out to New Lusk. Figured it was safer behind Lusk's walls. End quote. Mr. Murphy refused to leave with the Dashwood scouts who found him, but asked them to help him barricade the entrances before they left. After doing so, Mr. Murphy explained that he would guard the town from any looters or raiders until he felt things were all clear. So keep that in mind if you happen to find a surprisingly well-fortified hardware store in Wyoming. You might just find yourself on the wrong end of a gun. In our next news story, the raiders that have been harrying the roads are still at large. The sites they patrol appear to be the northeastern roads between Wyoming and South Dakota, though there are also reports of them further south as well. Additionally, the raiders seem to make their move around sunset, so keep that in mind if you're traveling through the area. These raiders seem to only hold their victims at gunpoint and take whatever possessions they're transporting before letting the victims go. There have been no reports of these raiders killing anyone, which has left the Dashwoods investigating this matter scratching their heads. The Dashwoods are currently operating under the idea that they may be, in fact, a group of tribals protecting their territory. However, there are no known tribal groups in the area. Yeah, this all seems kind of weird to me, dear listeners, especially after facing down death in a vault full of raiders. I'm starting to think the tribal theory is probably right, but like I mentioned before, there are no known modern tribes in the area. However, the Midwest wasn't hit all that hard during the war. Sure, the ash flats and surrounding areas basically became a second dust bowl for a while, but that was mostly due to lack of maintenance in the fields and radiation killing off the crops. Maybe, maybe some of the old reservations were spared the worst of the nukes. Who knows? In our final news story, moose men sightings in the area have jumped up significantly more than last week. Additionally, the moose men appear to be on edge and more aggressive. Scouts have reported seeing moose men fighting each other in areas where food and water is still readily available, and noted a lack of territorial markings. Due to this fact, several of the scouts have suggested that the reason the moose men have been so aggressive is the possibility that mating season has begun. While little is known about the moose men reproductive cycle, the scouts have noted that the increased aggression found in the already aggressive moose men, as well as the strong scent of musk in the air around them, seems to support the mating season theory. Some people have argued that it can't be mating season in the winter, and that it is instead just moose men protecting pregnant female moose men. The debate rages on. That aside, the moose men are getting a little more common for comfort in the Wyoming region, and the Dashwoods have been forced to flee from raging moose men on several occasions. Fortunately, no moose men have been sighted near the camp, but concerns of them closing in are starting to grow. Major Walsh has formed a team to find a way to ward off the moose men and stop them from attacking the camp. This team has already set off to gather information on moose men behavior from the locals. And I thought death claws were scary. They say that moose men can knock a tree down with a single punch. Just imagine what that would do to a person. Yikes. There are plenty of horror stories some of the Dashwoods from up north have told about moose men. I've heard of small settlements getting wiped out by a single bull moose man on a rampage. These things tend to terrorize more secluded areas in the northern wastes. Definitely took Canada off my vacation destinations. That's all we've got for this week's local news, so let's see what Johnny is up to in this week's Tech Tips. 
Good afternoon, Johnny. Good afternoon to you too, Crispy. How's your day been? I just got back from my duties for today, and I can say that I've increased my productivity by no less than 40%, and I've got the math to prove it. I'll trust you on that. So, what have you got for the dear listeners today? Ah, one of my favorite subjects, power armor. Today, I'm going to teach the listeners about common maintenance issues, basic modifications, and where to find materials for your power armor. So, we'll begin with listing off the basic tools you'll need to work on your power armor with. The main tools you'll need are a proper workstation. While there are official West Tech and military-made power armor stations, in most cases, you just need a good workbench and an area where you can keep your power armor parts clean and safe. We'll also need both Phillips head and flathead screwdrivers, a ratchet set, a pair of both standard pliers and needle nose pliers, and a welder. If this sounds like a steep list, well, it kind of is. Power armor takes quite a few resources to maintain and modify, but don't let that scare you away. Power armor is not only incredibly useful, it can also be one of the most rewarding ways of keeping yourself safe. Power armor can be as simple or as intricate as you need, so long as you have the know-how and will to work with it. Now to start, you'll need a power armor frame, which may be somewhat hard to find in the Midwest. As a side note, the Boston Commonwealth is full to the brim with power armor frames, so if you're ever desperate, you know where to find them. Now, if you're out here in the Midwest, your best bet to find a power armor frame is to look around military bases or checkpoints. Oftentimes, they'll even have armor plating on them, which will save you time spent scavenging. Now, common issues you'll face with maintaining your armor are assisted locomotion motor burnout, fusion core leaks, and general wear and tear. We'll start with replacing the motors. Aside from cleaning the motors and making sure you're not walking in your armor while it's unpowered, there aren't many practical ways to save a burnt out motor. Luckily, these motors are relatively easy to remove and replace. If you can't salvage motors from another frame, most air conditioning unit motors will do just fine. As for fusion core leaks, that's a little more difficult. I strongly advise all of you listening to safely dispose of any faulty fusion cores, as well as salvaging one from another suit or a power generator. If the core mount itself is causing a radiation leak, it's likely that the lead lining has worn away. Removing it is as simple as unscrewing the lead lined cylinder in the mount as a whole. Most machines powered by fusion cores have a similar cylinder, but if you can't find one, I found that a steel can lined with lead foil is a solid temporary solution. For your average wear and tear issues, simply welding patches over holes in the plating tends to work just fine. As for the frame, any of the non-moving pieces can simply be replaced with scrap and welded on. Unfortunately, I have yet to find a good alternative for replacing the joints, so be sure to keep the frame's joints well-oiled and clear of debris to ensure they last. Now let's move on to modifications. The most common and easiest modification is reinforcement, typically adding higher quality steel or even titanium plating. Titanium plating can be difficult to find, but you can usually find it in military vehicles and, surprisingly, tennis rackets. Tennis rackets don't have much, so I'd suggest sticking to scavenging from military vehicles. One last simple modification, chrome plating. Chrome plating helps to increase your armor's resistance to laser weaponry by reflecting lasers shot at you. Now, the best way to get true chrome plating is by using a method called electroplating, but if you're not well-versed in electrolysis, you can always use the bumper salvage from high-end cars. Just be sure to polish them to a mirror finish or the plating won't work properly. Well, that's all I have for you today. Thanks for listening. I'm Johnny, and this has been Tech Tips. 
I hope you learned something useful today. Pendle Tiny, outro protocol. Goodbye for now. Yeah! <laughs> nice. Thanks, Johnny. You know, I've always thought power armor was pretty cool. Even convinced Johnny to let me try a set on once. I don't know how the kid can wear that all the time. I almost broke my legs just trying to walk. Anyway, with that in mind, let's walk on over to Shoban for this week's edition of Wasteland Health. Hello, Shoban. Do you hear me? Yeah! Uh, yeah! A little too well. Ugh. Somebody must have screwed with my settings. Oh, I bet it was that ass. I bet it was Atlas. <laughs> Maybe I should slip a little lidocaine cream in his boots. Good luck walking when you can't feel your feet. <laughs> he's only going to take his boots off to sleep. You really want to get close to his boots after he's been out all day scouting? <laughs> Good point. I'll figure something else out. Anyway, what do you have for us today? Right. Trench foot to help me. 
So let's welcome. Oh, are you kidding me? Private Miller again. Hi, Lee again. What's up, Doc? <sighs> of course you would get Trenchfoot Miller. What can I say? I like sleeping with my socks on. Do you at least switch them out for clean socks before bed? Why would I do that? My socks are already warm when I go to bed. <sighs> As we can see here, we have an example of what not to do. As the weather gets colder, it's understandable to want to sleep with your socks on. Just make sure to wear a clean pair of socks when you do so. All right, Miller. Take off your boots and socks. All right. Ooh, that air is brisk. Now, I only came in because of this. Oh, is that, is that your toe? What did that fall off? Oh, uh, this morning. I figured it was bad, but I didn't feel it, so I just got breakfast before coming to the medic tent. I've been waiting a few hours. Oh, that's awful! I know, right? I've been waiting all day, but I get it. That guy with the spike back quills through his chest is more of a priority. I hope he's alright. <laughs> Alright, you've gone past Trenchfoot and right into gangrene. We might have to amputate. Oh, that sounds bad. Uh, you could try to show some concern for your own health, Miller. You lost a friggin' toe and you might lose the whole foot. <laughs> At least my feet won't get tired if I have prosthetics. Oh yeah, my other boot. Uh-oh, that doesn't look good. unfortunate. Let's hope Private Miller makes a full recovery. And uh, now is a perfect time to put on some music to take our minds off of the body horror that is Miller's feet. Let's try Dion and the Belmonts, the Wanderer. Enjoy, dear listeners. What took you so long, ghoul? Sorry, sorry. I had to lay on the floor to settle my stomach after that last segment. Ugh. Ugh. I can't get the idea out of my head. Well, while your stomach was attempting to purge itself, I've been waiting here going over my notes. Ugh. This drivel you've come up with put a worse taste in my mouth than the MREs. I'd like to apologize for my previous statements. They were out of line and disrespectful. Bah! What a joke. Oh, stuff it. Do you want to keep eating crap in a sack, or do you want some real food? I... 
My bowels can't handle another serving of the so-called chicken a la king. It's foul. Uh, pun not intended. Beat me to it. Anyway, just swallow your pride and follow the script. My pride is a hefty load to swallow. Don't... don't say it like that. Let's just go. Come on. Hey, what the fuck did I tell you, musclehead? Get the hell out. Hold on a second, Sarge. Atlas came here to apologize. Did he now? That's a fucking surprise. All right, let's hear it. I, uh, <clears throat> I would like to apologize for my previous statements. They were out of line and disrespectful. Please allow me to eat your food again. See? He's sorry for what he said before. Will you serve him food again? Hmm. Nah. Nah? What? Why not? You think I'm fucking deaf? I heard him practicing the shit outside. What'd you do? Write a script up for him? He didn't mean any of what he just said. Come on, Sarge. You made your point and he's sorry. Have a heart, man. Fuck off with that bleeding heart shit. I gotta get back to work. Enjoy your MREs, jackass. I heard they're handing out Brahmin enchiladas for dinner. I'm sorry! Please forgive me! My stomach can't take any more of those terrible meals! I never should have insulted your cooking! I didn't know what bad food truly was until I was subjected to those terrible meals in a sack! I'm sorry! <laughs> Holy crap, Atlas, are you serious right now? I can't keep eating those MREs. They'll be the death of me. My pride means nothing if I die of starvation. Please, Sergeant Trasardi, please forgive me. Gross. Alright, fine. I'll serve you food again, on one condition. What are your demands? You show my staff some love on your radio thing. They deserve it. Yeah, that sounds pretty reasonable. What do you think, Atlas? More than acceptable. I humbly accept your offer. Great. Now get off my floor. You look pathetic. Yes. And I certainly feel the part. Hopefully my humiliation will be worth it. Yeah, yeah, whatever. I gotta get back to work. Don't make me regret letting you back in here. Hey, what the fuck are you doing with that sauce? If that shit goes cold, it's all you're gonna be drinking for the next week. Well, of all things I thought I'd never see, you prostrating yourself in front of Trasardi would definitely be somewhere near the top of the list. Desperation makes beasts of us all. I'd eat broken glass rather than subject myself to another MRE. Ah, oh, come on, they're not that bad. Of course those sacks of wretched animal feed would appeal to someone who has, quite literally, eaten from the picked-over corpse of a rad stag. It was free. What did you want me to do? Leave it? You're no better than a crow-eating roadkill, you filthy scavenger. Gah! Bleh. Enough of this. I need to prepare to interview Trasardi's staff members.
Welcome back to Wasteland Active Radio, dear listeners. Crispy here, back behind the mic for the back half of the show. You've just finished listening to Mashed Potato Time by Dee Dee Sharp. Man, I could go for some mashed potatoes with some cream of chicken gravy, just like Mom used to make. Better move on before my drool shorts out my equipment. Let's go over to Atlas for today's edition of On the Scene. Atlas? Greetings and salutations. Welcome to On the Scene. I am your Grand Master of Ceremonies, Atlas. Today, I will be interviewing the kitchen staff for the Dashwood Forward Operations 19th Division. I am joined by three members of the kitchen staff. Corporal Steph LaBeouf, Private Mario Riso, and Private Jeffrey Fish. Hi. Hey, Ma. I'm on the radio. Hello, everybody. Would you like to explain your responsibilities within the 19th Division? Outside of guard duty, I'm kitchen manager for the mess tent. When we're in the kitchen, I answer directly to Sergeant Trissardi. I mostly do prep work, but I'm staying late to get some extra training for work on the line. Do you uh, think my parents are listening to this? I touch the meat. I cut the meat. Mm, I cook the meat. I see. How long have you been a part of the Dashwoods? Six years. I'm two years out of basic, representing my family in the Eddie Bronx. Cooking the meats for the Dashwoods. Four years. I... I see. What are your thoughts on the war? (laughs) You call this a war? This ain't nothing compared to the gang wars back home. One time, oh man, the 8th Street Rats and the East Side Ghouls rumbled in the middle of- uh, How about you, man obsessed with meat? What are your thoughts? I've been waiting for something like this my whole life. The scent of blood. That coppery stench. It makes my mouth water and my pants- And you, Corporal LaBeouf? What are your thoughts on the war against Macklin's army? And please, do not describe the activities happening within your pants. It's war. Against an army of super mutants that want to turn everybody else into super mutants or kill them. Stopping that is right up the Dashwoods Alley. That's it. You don't seem too pleased to be here. (laughs) Yeah. I'd rather be working on tonight's dinner instead of giving an ingrate the time of day for his stupid radio show. Hey. Yeah, I'm sorry. Muting myself. I've already apologized to Sergeant Trasardi, and he forgave me in exchange for... Yeah, I know the terms, and I don't give a damn. It doesn't change the fact that even though day after day after day, we provide this entire camp with three hot meals to keep them going. You turned your nose up at free, clean, nutritious food. Have you ever been starving? I'm not talking about normal hunger. Oh, no, no, no. I'm talking about months without anything to eat but whatever you can scrape out of the trash. Have you? Um, no. No, I haven't. Yeah, it shows. And don't think I 
didn't hear you complaining about the MREs turning up your nose at more free food. Just because Trasardi forgave you don't mean I have. I'm done with this interview shit. I'm getting back to work. Fine. You weren't contributing much to this interview either way. What is her problem? The desperation that turns people to cannibalism. LeBuff is quite familiar with it. Yeah, the corporal grew up as a slave in the pit. You know, Pennsylvania. There's a pretty big gang of raiders up there for a while, till the whole operation fell apart. LeBuff got out, but we all know life out in the rest of the wasteland ain't much easier. She traveled and scrounged and scraped with the survivors. Food was precious. Worth dying for. Killing for. LeBoff didn't have her first hot meal until she was already a woman. Hmm. I see. That would make her outburst make sense. Yes, so, uh, eat your food and like it. You never know when you ain't gonna eat again. Unless you don't mind the taste of your friends. Fish, drop the creepy cannibal act. We all know you're full of shit. Ah, you're no fun. Right. Let's continue then, shall we? What are your thoughts on General Roosevelt? Oh yeah, Roosevelt? Great guy. Can't say enough good about him. You know, he's the one who carried out the Delaware Offensive. I've never heard of this Delaware Offensive. I've never heard of Delaware. Please explain this campaign of his. Okay, so like eight years ago, Talon Company, this other mercenary group out of D.C., decided to push their way into Delaware and set up shop. They didn't know that the Dashwoods had a bunch of settlements there, and we weren't too keen on Talon showing up like they owned the place. So Talon Company decides they're going to walk into the nearest settlement and take over. Well, they only fucking did it and killed everybody there. They kept building up their defenses and bringing in more. Before we knew it, we had a full friggin' army pushing their way into Delaware. That's when they called him Roosevelt. Roosevelt shows up and starts rallying the settlements Talon didn't roll over and starts evacuating people, just leaving some dashwoods behind to man the walls. Talon shows up to try and take one of these places and the skeleton crews put up a weak fight before pulling out and leaving through a back entrance. Talon comes in, starts setting up shop, right when they're getting comfortable, BOOM! Roosevelt had the skeleton crews rig the place with explosives. Roosevelt's team then went in and cleaned up. From there it was a lot of, uh, uh, monkey war? Ape fighting? Guerrilla warfare? Yeah, that's it. Yeah, Roosevelt leaned heavy into explosives for that campaign, bringing out mini nuke launches and just going scorched earth on them. Like, boom, 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 boom! After a month, Talon Company turned tail and f***ing ran. Oh man. Yeah, Rosie's a pretty cool guy. Sure he's got this sh in the bag. This General Roosevelt person continually sounds like an unhinged warlord to me. Yet the Dashwoods I've spoken to all seem to respect him. Of course we do. He's the general. That, and he's already improved the pay for all active Dashwoods, is pushing for better health care, and has always been trying to get us better access to optometrists, which would be great since my glasses have been held together by duct tape for the past five years. I see. I don't, and that's a problem. Uh, all right. One final question for the two of you. 
If either of you read any books, what is your favorite book? Do I look like I got time to read? Unless it's a titty mag, I don't read it. Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde is pretty good, but my eyesight isn't. I gotta have people read to me. You'll get points for trying. Thank you for your time. Of course. Anytime. Yeah! Lower Southeast Side, represent! That has been all for On the Scene. As always, I have been your Grand Master of Ceremonies, Atlas. You're welcome. Thanks, Atlas. I didn't see that interview ending as civilly as it did. Nice bit of turnaround, don't you think? Well, with that, it's time for today's Open Table with me, Crispy. Alright, come on. Oh, right. Sorry, dear listeners, but I was going to interview Private Miller for today's Open Table interview. Unfortunately, during the break, I was informed that Private Miller is currently recovering from, and I quote, having the rotting soles of his feet scraped away before the gangrene got in too deep. End quote. <sighs> this is awkward. Really only prepared to have Miller in here. <coughs> oh, how about what's... Ah, uh, no. Did what's under my skin last week. Can't do that back to back. How about a story? Something from before the war. Okay, uh... Oh, right. <laughs> okay, so back before the war, I had a friend named Francis Jones. We all called him Jonesy. Anyway, Jonesy was having his bachelor party for his third marriage. He got married right out of high school, got divorced two years later when he cheated on his wife. He got married to his mistress, but she took him for all he was worth, and then she dumped him. Right, so Jonesy had been dating this lady for maybe three months at this point, and she's loaded. I'm talking stacks on stacks of cash. Thing is, Jonesy was 26, and this lady was pushing 90. I'm not about to knock someone for who they find attractive, but I'm pretty sure Jonesy was only in it for the money after his second divorce cleared him out. So, we're out on the town, bar hopping for hours, before someone decided it was a good idea to visit the local, uh, hmm, gentleman's club. Turns out his second wife was a dancer there. No more than two minutes after we walk in, she's finishing the set on the main stage, and he sees her stepping down. I didn't hear the details, but he ran over and they started arguing. The rest of our group went up to the bar and got drinks. We'd already paid a cover and didn't want Jonesy getting us thrown out without having a drink first. Shockingly, me and the boys are there until closing time when Jonesy and his ex come walking up arm in arm. Jonesy's ex says some of the dancers were getting together for a party nearby, and we were invited. Obviously, being drunk and wanting to party with, uh, exotic dancers, we went with. So, Jonesy's ex led us down the street to a seedy hotel just big enough to have a penthouse suite. Well, we get inside, and sure enough, Jonesy's ex's fellow dancers are there just living it up. There was plenty of alcohol, plenty of, uh, snacks... And we all just went crazy for the next hour before some guys come and break down the doors, guns in hand. Turns out, Jonesy's ex had a new boyfriend, and this guy on the hotel we were in. He wasn't too happy to learn that his girlfriend was going behind his back with some other guy. So, he kicks the girls out and keeps us at gunpoint on the couch while his boys look for his girlfriend. We hear the girlfriend, Jonesy's ex, freaking out, and she storms into the lounge's suite wearing nothing but the bedsheets. But Jonesy is nowhere to be found. These two start going at it. He accuses her of cheating, she accuses him of being a paranoid control freak, which, honestly, they were both pretty accurate. But she won't say where Jonesy went. These guys turn the suite upside down, all the while me and the rest of the boys are sweating it out on the couch wondering if we're about to die. Well, another hour goes by and Jonesy still isn't turning up, and the owner of the room gets sick of us stinking up the place, so he kicks us out. 
We were pretty shook up, considering those guys were just waving their guns all over the place, and we just wanted to go home. A late-night phone call and a taxi ride later, we're all back where we belong, and we pass out. The next morning, I woke up with a nasty hangover and tried calling Jonesy's number, but didn't get an answer. Called around to the rest of the group, but none of them had heard anything either. Until the 5 o'clock news came on and we saw Jonesy standing on the edge of the hotel where we were at, naked as the day he was born. Turns out he snuck out the window when he heard the doors get kicked in and was planning on staying there until the coast was clear. Except those guys never left and Jonesy was too scared to move. So Jonesy was on the western side of the building, which was just dark enough to hide him until the lunch rush came in. Somebody spotted him and thought he was trying to off himself, so they called the cops. Took six hours to get Jonesy down from there since the building owner wasn't cooperating, and Jonesy didn't want to risk going through the window with the owner and his goons waiting for him. The fire department had to get a cherry picker up there to pull that idiot down. <laughs> ah, classic Jonesy. Anyway, Jonesy was mauled to death by a lion after breaking to a zoo a couple years later, but that's a different story. Overall, I guess the moral of the story is, uh... Oh, nothing good happens after 2am, and never go to a second location. Sure, you may miss out on a sexy party, but nobody wants to have that party ruined by guys with guns. Well, dear listeners, I hope you enjoyed this snapshot of pre-war life for your old friend Crispy, because this right here is the end of this week's open table, and it's time to wrap things up for today. That's all for today's show, dear listeners. And while things didn't turn out the way we expected, I hope you got some enjoyment out of it. I guess that's what happens when you're kind of stuck in a military camp on the border of Wyoming in the middle of winter. Honestly, if you told me 200 years ago that this is what I'd be doing with my life, hell, if you told me that five years ago, I would have looked at you like you had two heads. Assuming you only had one. In the end, we're going to be there for you, dear listeners, and so are the Dashwoods. The Daring Dashwood Mercenary Company has settlements all over the eastern wastelands and contracts with plenty more. The Dashwoods strive to maintain their values of honor, compassion, loyalty, and community in all that they do and are fighting to help build the wastelands into something a little less wasted. If you're looking to join up, just ask around at any Dashwood-sponsored settlement. We'd be glad to have the help. Before we shut things down for today, I'll pass on a few more words of wisdom to all of you out there. You never know what someone's been through. That guy mad at you for throwing out half-eaten food might have suffered from starvation growing up. That lady freaking out at your loud music may have been shelled by raiders. Or that person you bumped into but won't let it go after you apologized might have just lost someone important. We're all people with problems and nobody is perfect. So maybe those jerks out there are good people going through something harsh. Or maybe they're just jerks and you had nothing to do with it. That's all for today, dear listeners. This is Wasteland Active Radio with the Daring Dashwoods Forward Operations Team, 19th Division. Crispy. Signing off. Wasteland Active Radio was created, written, and produced by Z. Hagen and Jay Wilson. Brought to you by the record button. The roles of Crispy, Buckets, Private Miller, Private Riso, Sergeant Tresardi, and Pendletiny are played by Mr. Wilson. The roles of Atlas and Private Fish are played by Mr. Hagen. The role of Johnny is played by B. Sewick, and the roles of Chauvin and Corporal LaBeouf are played by Britt Eggestall. Britt and their partner Mel both run another channel called Milbert Productions, home to all your nerdy and geeky entertainment needs. Wasteland Active Radio is set in the Fallout video game universe owned by Microsoft Studios and Bethesda Softworks. No copyright infringement is intended. 
please support the official release. Thank you for listening, and thank you for supporting the Daring Dashwood Mercenary Company! Jeez, that sounds awful. How bad is it? Uh, he definitely had gangrene, but his calluses were so thick that the infection had only gotten about skin deep. We scraped away about a pound of dead tissue and... Maggots. Uh, uh, <laughs> but after his impact and some antibiotics... Private Miller should be back on his feet in a few days. (laughs) Well, that's good to know. Right? I can't believe somebody could let something like that get as bad as it did. That reminds me of something that happened when we were running from Cutler. Back before we met you. Uh, So, Atlas had been eating nothing but this dry-aged Brahmin haunch for the past several days, and his breath was awful. More so than usual? (laughs) Yeah, But it was so bad that he started attracting bloat flies. Atlas didn't seem to think it was him until they started ignoring us and going right for Atlas. It was so bad that Crispy said they could smell Atlas's breath all the way through the fourth wall. We had to stop and scavenge for toothpaste to take care of the problem. Ha! Of course that asshole would deny that it was his fault. But, uh, hmm. Uh, that that thing you said about the fourth wall... You know, I've heard you and Crispy talk about it before. What is it? Oh, right. Yeah, Crispy mentions it every now and then, but he doesn't really like to talk about it. So if I remember right, Crispy said the fourth wall is what separates us from the audience. The people who listen to the show. Um, I I guess that makes sense, but I don't get why he doesn't like to talk about it. I asked the same thing, but it's not the listeners. It's the audience. What's the difference? Crispy says the listeners exist in the wasteland, while the audience exists beyond the wasteland. Like what? Overseas? Not quite. I think it's more metaphysical than literal. Uh, What? Mm, Like... mm, aliens? Maybe. Crispy described it like a stage play, where the four walls are the, uh, backdrop? I think that's right. The backdrop for the stage, and, uh, then the walls to the left and the right. The fourth wall is what separates the stage from the people watching. The audience. So what? Crispy thinks none of this is real. Mm, Are you sure he's all there in the head? Eh, He's over 200 years old, and I hate to say it, but he might be going senile. I've been worried about that, too, but sometimes... Sometimes it makes sense. Oh, not you two. Hear me out. Think about it. I came back to Station Hill right when the Radhopper Swarm was attacking. I would have been back earlier, but I got wrapped up dealing with raider camps that just seemed to show up out of nowhere. And the tornado! None of us should have survived that, but many of us did. Oh. Hmm. You know, now that you mention it, when... When I was disguised as my mom, Scud wanted to keep expanding our influence 
west. I was about to let him do it, but instead, on a whim, I told him to go south. Going west would have made more sense. There were plenty of raider clans we already knew about that had wanted to join up. We didn't have any connections in the south. And the broadcast. I don't know shit about radios, but what are the chances that Crispy broadcast Atlas killing Scud right when some of the blood drinkers, who just so happened to have a recorder on them, were listening to the radio? Or the fact that Major Sterling was captured by slavers and sold to the Wire Clan right when Houndstooth happened to be watching? Or how the mayor of Little Drink was murdered the night we arrived? What are the chances of that? It's just too... convenient. Crispy has pointed that out to me before, but he says not to talk about it. Why not? He's worried that if the audience realizes that we don't think that any of this is real, they won't want us around anymore. Crispy says that if the audience leaves, we might get canceled. Canceled? What do you mean? Like, killed? I don't know. But one time Crispy got drunk and talked about how the audience is the only reason we're still around. Once they're gone, what happens to us? It got me thinking, and this is just a hypothesis. Maybe we only exist because the audience is paying attention to us. So if the audience leaves, we die. Technically, though I think it would be more accurate to say we'd stop existing. So what you're saying is that none of this is Hey, Johnny, Shoban. <laughs> Glad I found you. I brought that Nuka-Cola I promised you, Johnny. But that's a jug of bleach. Is it? Whoops, my bad. <laughs> Silly me, just a classic goof. Johnny, what the fuck did I say about talking about you-know-what and the you-know-who? Are you trying to get us all killed? How much did you tell her? Shoban, what did he tell you? Oh, he told me stuff about the fourth wall. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> Excuse me. Who the fuck do you think you- Do you want to die? Because that's what's going to happen if you two don't keep your mouths shut. <laughs> you crazy kids and your crazy stories. I'm never going to understand you two lovebirds. Crispy, don't. Oops, almost let the cat out of the bag with that one. Oh man, look at the time. I got to run. And remember you two, sometimes the only thing standing between you and complete annihilation is keeping the name of God a secret. Right. Yeah. Um, sure. <laughs> oh, you two. Please don't cancel us. Please, I'm begging you. They don't know what they're talking about. They didn't mean anything by whatever they said. Please, they're too young to die. I don't want to die. None of us do. Please just drop this. Okay? Okay?